Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. I don't know about you, but I love some crystal clear audio. Right now, I am loving the latest pair of headphones I snagged from Studio Sweden. I'm rocking the Trey headphones. They're Bluetooth. I can take them on my walk with me. No cords. It is awesome. And they have really come behind us here at the Radiant Podcast and sponsored this episode. So we have a little discount for you for 15% off. You can use code radiant at studiosweden.com and we can link that up in the show notes. So it's right there for you. Head on over, check out the amazing headphones they offer and grab yourself a pair. This week, we have my friend Tiffany joining us, and let me tell you, you are in for a retreat. She is the real deal and such an incredible leader. This episode is laced with so much wisdom, and my favorite part is that we get to talk about her new book she just released this week, Never Alone. You guys are going to love it, and I had the privilege of endorsing it. I really believe in the words she wrote there, and I think her vulnerability about shame, identity, and rejection usher in freedom for all of us. So I'm so thankful for Tiffany to start the conversation, and I'm really excited to have her here to continue it. So, hey, Tiffany. Hi, Kelsey. It is so good to have you on the show. We've been talking about this forever. We've worked alongside each other. We have known each other for a few years, so I'm really glad to finally have you here, and it's perfect timing because it comes during the launch of your new book, Never Alone. And I would just love for you to kind of start by sharing a little bit about you, your story. We want to hear it all and where Never Alone started. Yes. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me. Um, It really is an honor. You are one amazing woman doing a lot of things and so inspiring to so many. So thank you. So I am a writer and a Bible teacher. I was in full-time church ministry for 10 years in two different churches and walked away from all of it to really see the dream come true of writing and and being able to teach and speak full-time. And uh, it's happened. It's taken a few years, but just to really hustle and dream and pray and, and really believe that my gifts were useful and a blessing to other people. So it's been a beautiful ride. I live in the Seattle area. I'm married, been with my man for almost 10 years, and we have a seven-year-old and a three-year-old. Our oldest is adopted from Uganda, and our littlest is um, biological. I'm East Indian. My husband's white, so we look like the United Nations walking around, and my <laughs> my, my oldest obviously is, is black, and my youngest is um he's more white than brown. And so when I'm in the grocery store and they're both in the car and I'm just rolling through, people are like, where did you get these children? They, where, what are you doing with them? (laughs) They are mine and they call me mama. So, um, we're having all kinds of fun over here at the bloom house. I'm outnumbered by boys. Um, but I currently, I teach, um, uh, a Bible study and I've, I've started a gathering of women called SIP. 
And it started with just 12 women um, meeting for Bible study. A dear friend of mine owns a, a swanky restaurant in town. And on its only night off on Sunday night, we gather in there. And what started with 12 is now we, this past year, we served about 350 women um, regularly. So we're, we're having all kinds of fun with that. And then writing, I've been blogging for years, have written for online and print publications for years, but am so pleased and humbled and honored to share my debut book and Bible study titled Never Alone. And it's really for the woman who fears she'll be left for what she's done, what's happened to her, or simply for who she is. Through my own story of abandonment and eventually adopting my son, um, I really just encourage women to know that no matter what you've gone through, there is good and you have a beautiful life and God can redeem and reclaim what's been broken and lost. And the greatest gift at the end of it all is his companionship. Oh, I love that. And I love just kind of reading through and seeing your heart for loneliness. Um, I would love kind of for you to share where that started in your journey um, and how you see that running rampant among women, because obviously your audience is mostly women. I'm sure there's some men Mm -hmm. in there, but how you see that across the board, both inside the church and outside the church, I think we're all lonely in some capacities, or at least if we're not right now. Yeah. If, if we're not right now, we've walked through loneliness. So I'd love for you to kind of share your heart on that and where that kind of started and how you've walked through that journey. Totally. Well, I think from the time we're little girls, whether it's the playground or sitting at the lunchroom table or for a date for prom, we don't want to be alone. We always want to belong to each other. We want to be a part of something that's greater than ourselves. We want to feel loved and heard, respected, and that we truly matter and are worthy of being um, part of a group or a family or a community. And where that gets off base is our past experiences, our failures, what's happened to us, what we've done, the choices we've made. They really impair our ability to see our worth. They threaten our sense of identity when we feel not good enough, when we feel like we're too much. And uh, for me personally, it really came the first time I felt so lonely in my own skin. I was four years old. And I remember crying into this pink little cup in my, had my little braids in my hair. And my, my mother was explaining to me that I was abandoned at birth by my biological mother. My adopted mother was explaining that. And, um, it was that moment of thinking she didn't want me. Um, she doesn't know my name. She doesn't know what I look like. I'm never going to see her again. And that feeling of abandonment was seared into my soul. And the loneliness that came from all of these friends of mine, and even at five years old, seeing all these friends with their baby pictures and their, you know, handprints in clay posted up on their parents' wall. And meanwhile, my story was one of shame. And it just, it broke me at such a young age. And so my own story of loneliness came from such a deep sense of rejection um, from my biological parents. I've never, you know, I hardly ever think of my biological dad, but for my biological mom, I certainly think about her a lot, especially after having my own kids and obviously on, you know, around the holidays and Mother's Day and things like that. But um, loneliness finds us all. It doesn't matter if we had this major traumatic event or if it's a small T, lowercase T traumatic event. There are things that poke at us and prod at us and make us feel like we don't belong and they make us feel like 
we are disqualified from love, love from each other and love from God. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we are all no stranger to to loneliness or rejection and everyone's pain is, is valid. Um, and so I love that, you know, you're writing to anyone, um, in this book, uh, no matter what kind of loss or pain or rejection they've experienced, um, it's all valid. Um, but I am, I'm just so excited for this to, um, reach your audience and readers and, um, even beyond that, because I think this message is so needed. One thing you kind of said, um, before we started this conversation was that, you know, loneliness increases stress and high blood pressure. It, um, compromises immune systems. I mean, it's not just an emotional impact. It's impacting our physical health. Yeah. So I would love free to kind of talk about breaking the cycle. How do we do that? Yeah. I think first of all, uh, stepping back is one of the reasons we isolate is because the fear of future rejection, our past experiences are casting vision on our future life and our future reality. And so we disqualify ourselves from places, spaces, and people who could be in community with us and that we could be, you know, companions to and friends to. And so I think that there, there's such a fear that we're going to be hurt again and again and again that we isolate in, an, in our best effort to protect ourselves. And what we're doing is we're isolating in such a way that we live, we don't live in all that God has for us and we don't live a beautiful life, one we are privileged to live. And so I think that Um, The first step is really being willing to, if you want to see your present and your future change, you got to dive into the past. So I would say to really combat a lot of these feelings and emotions that are very real and very true, I think you got to go to the deepest, darkest chamber of your heart and be willing to pull them up one by one and examine them, see where they came from, how did they grow and how does it affect my present reality? Because it's not good. And it's and it's taking away a vibrant life and being willing to one by one work through each moment and see how things can change, how they've affected you, and what would it take to see things better. And so um, I'm, a, I'm a woman of faith. And so uh, in my belief, it's being able to see these experiences and offer them up um, to the Lord and, and exchange them for His grace and His peace and His truth. Because... In isolation, we believe a lot of lies about ourselves, um, and the only way to combat those is to be, again, if, if you're a person of faith, is to be honest with God, and I think honest with the people closest to you. Vulnerability is a strength, not a weakness in that moment. Ooh, yes. I love that. That is my favorite one-liner of the day. Vulnerability is a strength, not a weakness. How have you seen that play out? I mean, I can speak to my own experiences, but I know that there have been moments Um, in my, my journey where I've been told like, you know, because you cried about that, we, you know, we don't take you as seriously. And that was really, Mm. that was at a, that was at a Christian nonprofit. Um, and that was, you know, after a long, it was a long time coming. So I've, I've been told my vulnerability Mm. is weakness. I'm so sorry about that. I mean, it's tremendously painful. Oh yeah. And, and it's okay. You know, it actually... In hindsight, I'm so glad I walked through that because it shows me exactly how I want to lead a team. And then, it, you know, everyone knows I love the Enneagram. So it sent me on this quest of how we can build cohesive teams and respect yeah. others. Um, because, 
you know, it's not always happy-go-lucky, even in these Christian feel-good, do-good environments. But what has been your experience with vulnerability being a strength? And how do you speak to that? Because, you know, not all people feel that way. Yeah. I think, um, especially as I have um, the privilege of leading women day in and day out, I think vulnerability is the reason we have grown and vulnerability is the reason so many women, and I, I'm obviously I'm focusing in on women on this. I know men feel these things too, but I think women um, are so fed up with pretense and they're so overwhelmed with um, image and feeling like they have it, need to have it all together. And vulnerability is the just the stake in the ground that says no longer do we have to lead with only what we think we have going for us. But if we truly share the hard parts, the weak parts, the tender parts, we can serve each other best. We can serve each other best. And so um, in my own life, in my in my nonprofit, in my um, the again that SIP, the women's ministry, our nonprofit. And in my parenting, in my marriage, I think, and in my writing, of course, I think leading with vulnerability has only gotten me um, in front of more people and more spaces to tell the story that we're all living, that vulnerability isn't what's going to set you back. It's what's going to move you forward. Oh, I love that girl. You are speaking my language. (laughs) So tell us about SIP and what you get to do there. And it's, it's amazing the impact and the reach and um, God just kind of expanding that as you've gone, starting with 12 and serving over 300 now. I mean, I w- you have a waiting list, right? I'd yes, love for you to tell us about it. Absolutely. So SIP started um, after I had left full-time ministry. And for anyone who's gone through a transition, I know you'll feel me on this. When you go through a transition from something you loved, but it was just time to step away. I had you know two little kids at home and I was working full-time. I was the breadwinner for our family. Um but I knew that my time was done and I knew that stepping in to something bigger and better, even if it was harder, was the right thing to do. So after I stepped away um, from my full-time role, um, I was speaking at this leadership retreat for some women and a gal came up to me afterward and she said, oh, I'm coming to your Bible study. And I was like, oh, I don't have a Bible study. I know I'm like one of a billion Indians, but I think you've got the wrong one. And she's like, no, (laughs) she's like, no, it's definitely you. Me and my friends are coming. And just in my gut, I felt like I was supposed to do it. I was supposed to, you know, start a Bible study and don't do it at your house. And so a week later on a very busy night at uh, my dear friend's restaurant, packed house, busy Friday night, um, he was walking by and I barely caught his attention just long enough to ask, hey, I know you're closed on Sundays. Can I have Bible study in here? And he didn't even look at me, but he walked away and said, I'll make you a key. And um, so just a couple months later, we started meeting and it was so bare bones. It was, again, a very, very nice restaurant. There's a 20 seat communal table that runs down the middle of it. Um, It's a very cool place in town that everybody knows um, he's won various awards. He's a, he's a very, very gifted man. Um, and he's the executive chef and owner of the restaurant. And, uh, um, so we started and it was just, you know, a handful of girls that knew me and, and that found me on Instagram. 
And uh, 12 turned to 20, turned to 40, turned to 60, turned to 100, turned to 140, and on and on and on. And now we have a full team that we have a planning director and a social media and marketing director and a creative director. I mean, it's pretty pretty lavish. For those um, who are following along, if you look on Instagram at sip at the table, um, you'll see kind of our lavish layouts. We feel like if women are coming, we want it to be just be on. So everything from tapered candlesticks um, to greens running down the middle of the tables, we serve fine wine, red and white, that's paired with delightful um, plates that are dreamed up by our chef and myself. We menu plan um, once a quarter for everything we'll serve at SIP. So it's very, very beautiful food, very beautiful wine, and just a time to leave the kids at home, leave life at home, turn off everything, and refresh your soul at the table. So women come on in, and for the first half an hour, they just catch up. For many women, it's their only night away from all the rigmarole of life. And so they just have a time to just be, and there's no um, table leaders, there's no assigned seating, nothing like that, no powdered coffee creamer. I got mad respect for Bible studies that many of us have participated in, but um, this is not in a basement anywhere with, um, you know, powdered coffee creamer. It's a little different, so, um, but we have a lot of fun, and so we, I, I teach for about 40 minutes, um, and then women have 10 to 15 minutes just to journal to live music, and so we just take the time right there to really reflect Search your soul. Take a minute. What is happening in you right now? What What's the Lord speaking to you? What What's your next step from everything you just learned tonight? And then we move into a time of discussion, and then we are you know have prayer available. I mean, it's we're not reinventing the wheel. We just added a little booze to it, so <laughs> we have a lot of fun. And um, to be honest with you, we I would say only sixty percent of women who attend it attend any sort of faith community. So we are getting women who've never heard the gospel that are just pounding down our door to come in and break bread and drink wine and talk about um, who Jesus is and how he changes our lives. It truly is incredible. So it started out, we met just one session, but we, at this point, we meet multiple times a day just to be able to handle the volume of women. I love that. I love, there's no powdered coffee creamer here. I wish there was a sip in Colorado Springs. Um, please tell you know, me when it expands because yeah. I want one here. Yeah, we're, we're dreaming and scheming. Um, we've had multiple people from around the country after I wrote an article for Grit and Virtue about it, um, which is an online publication, and just of how to create um, a setting like this and what are the values and ethos to pull something like this off. And since then, we've had um, quite a lot of uh, interest in how do we do this. And so we, we've got some ideas of everything from a national training to um, sip on location. We'll come to you. We'll bring our creative director. They'll set it up. I'll speak to give you kind of a, a sample night and then teach you how to do it on your own. So we have some ideas. I love it. Bring it on to Colorado Springs. So that is awesome. I feel like the Springs could use something like that. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's a little vanilla around here. We need some fun. Um, how has you? How have you been able to live out this message of never alone with your SIP girls? You know, I feel like 
not only have you mastered, and I say that with no pressure, it's not like you have to be perfect, but not only have you mastered this message of conquering loneliness, opening up to vulnerability in your own life, how do you get to see that play out with your SIP tribe? Oh, I'm so excited to share this with you. Um, many of our women are going through beautiful seasons of life and many of them are facing their darkest days. And so as a ministry, one of our founding principles is to be emotionally available to these women. And so each week women before they leave on a three by five card, just share what's going on in their life and what we can pray for. And then they just leave their first and last name and phone number. And then during the week, somebody from our team and prayer team will be in touch with them via text to just check in on them, um, pray over them, and just stand with them. And so because of that, we've really, re- nobody can come in and just sit down and act like everything's fine. We know what's going on with these, each and every one of the women that attend. We know them by name and we know what's going on in their lives. And obviously, as you can imagine, that takes a lot of time, but we wouldn't have it any other way. So we have a beautiful woman going, um, we actually have about five women just going through, you know, really hard divorces and being able to stand with them and be available and help resource them and be there on the nights when it just feels like too much. It truly is our honor and it, it we really are putting our money where our mouth is that when we say that you're never alone, we mean it. And if it means we get to humbly be the hands and feet of Jesus in your hard day, then we're going to do that. Um and a myriad of other things. We um, everything from parents dying to kids getting diagnosis to divorce to you name it. Life is hard. Losing your job. I mean, um, we preach and teach and and bleed the message that you're never alone because we're going to stand by you and we're going to ensure that you don't really have to walk through this alone. If in, in a most healthy, appropriate way, we want to come alongside you. I love that, and I, I man. More and more, I just want a sip in my community, (laughs) and I love that you really are there for the nitty-gritty. Now, you know, I one of the questions we've kind of discussed beforehand is these feelings of fear and shame and inequality, they really steal a woman's role Mm, um, from the kingdom. How do you... um, how do you speak to that? Um, how do you see it um, stealing, you know, what each and every woman is empowered to rise up to do? You know, I really believe we all carry something unique into the yeah. world. And you're right. Fear and shame um, and inequality, they really do tamper that and keep women from living out of the fullness of who they are. So yeah. um, I would love for you to kind of share your thoughts on that. Yeah. Fear, insecurity, shame, rejection, they all threaten our sense of identity. And our identity rooted in the image of God is under attack when we let the lies of fear, when we let the shame, when we let the insecurity um, really eat at us. We're living in such a such a slice of all the vibrant and abundant life that God has for us. And so I think when we are willing to do the hard work of identifying where those fears came from and exchanging them for grace and peace and truth, we can rise up to be the women, the gifted, skilled women that we were always intended to be. I think that um, our confidence takes a hit when we feel like a failure, when those external experiences 
determine our internal self-talk and our internal um, way of living. And it is absolutely the most dangerous thing ever. Too many women are silenced in their dreams and in their gifts and in their skills, and they are living in a fraction of all that they were intended to live because their fears or something that they, they, they're so used to those fears. They're so accustomed to those insecurities that, um, it's almost as if we can't see past them. But when we're willing to do the hard work and take some time to reflect and work through and combat those fears and claim over us the truth that we are beloved, that we are worthy, that we are skilled, that we are a force for good on the earth, then and only then can we walk in and be the dreamers and makers and creators and engineers and uh, and hustlers that we were always intended to be. Ooh, preach girl. I think that is speaking to so many of our listeners. Um, what are some like testimonials of women you've seen come into the fullness of who they are? Oh, that's such a great question. I would say, um, so many women come to mind, but, um, I'm thinking of one gal. She had a baby when she was 16 and again at 17 and, um, she's my age, early thirties. And she, you know, she's got two high schoolers and, uh, her friend invited her to sip. They work, um, like a city county building and she'd never, you know, never been to anything like that. And she came and, um, just seeing her acknowledge and accept that she's loved and that, that good is for her and that she is worth, she is worth more than she even ever would have dreamed or imagined. And seeing her hold her head high with dignity and honor and respect, because I think so many of us, um, we cannot move past our experiences that have just devastated us and they've broken us in such a way that we're so fractured as we move forward and we just lead our own lives with a limp. But to really see women rise up and know that they don't have to stay with the abusive husband. I'm trying to think of examples that don't uh, give away too much information about our beautiful women, but you know, they don't have to stay with the abusive husband. They don't have to continue a job where they're underpaid for their skills and gifts. They can truly rise up and claim their worth and dignity and the respect that they deserve no, because they have a holy God who is with them and who has called them to greater things. That is good. I love hearing just stories of, of women understanding their identity because I think, you know, empowerment obviously comes out of that. Yeah. Um, I want to kind of shift gears here, but obviously, you know, we have a lot of female listeners who um, run businesses or are making their dreams a reality. Um, and I would love for you to speak to um, your journey and kind of starting your own business with SIP. And then also writing a book is almost a whole separate entity and business in <laughs> yeah. itself. What yeah. has your creative process been like? What, um, How have you made room and time for that while still being present with your family? I mean, those are all challenges we face in making our dreams a reality. And you've done it in two different capacities. And then you know, in your full-time career before that. I'd love for you to kind of tell us about that. Yeah, I think first of all, um, the world may keep on spinning if you don't do what you were built and and feel so passionate to do and what makes you come alive, but you won't keep on spinning. And so I think first thing first is conviction. Having the conviction of I am built for this, I this gives me joy. This gives me pleasure to do what I'm built to do, whether it's creating or writing or music or 
or business or engineer, whatever, teaching, whatever your thing may be, because we all have something. Don't think you don't have something. Um, but whatever it is, I think it's first that conviction of I have to do this. Otherwise, I I won't I won't keep on spinning. <laughs> Everything else will, but I won't. Um, so I think, uh, to be honest, when I first um, was on maternity leave after I had my second child, um, I was sitting at home and I was on Twitter and I saw Dale Partridge, which I, if, if you're on the digital space, I'm sure you've heard of Dale Partridge. If not, you can go check him out. But he's a very successful online entrepreneur and he has class, online classes and you know he has books and all kinds of fun stuff. And he was talking about um, just his love for blogging. And I'd had like small little blogs in the past, but nothing that I really gave my all to because I did have a full-time job and I wasn't really, um, I didn't have vision for it, but I was, I did have, you know, words on a post, <laughs> um, on a blog page. So when I decided I, I want to write a book and, and for years I'd had um, a coach in my ear who was a columnist for the Seattle Times and a very dear friend of mine. And she had gotten a book deal and just seeing how it had really opened her career even more after she had such a successful career, it just really opened the floodgates for her because, you know, your words on a digital screen can go far, but on the printed page can go even farther. And uh, so she, she went and sat me down and she said, the Proverbs 31 woman knew what she had was good. And she said, for you and I, it's our words. And that feels weird to just try to market or sell our words, but she's like, it's not marketing or selling. It's, it's our wares. It's what, it's not a silk scarf, but it's our words and it's our words spoken and written. And when we are convicted that those are going to change people's lives, then we can do it with full conviction, um, and vision to know that what we do matters. And so from that, from, from that solid basis of I'm built for this, I am going to do this and I'm, I won't be stopped because I'm called to this. Um, and this is what makes me come alive. I started blogging, um, with my current blog, tiffanybloom.com. And again, I've had previous blogs, which I would never tell you the name of because it's so embarrassing. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, blogging and, you know, just really self-teaching and taking e-courses and just doing the hard work of learning the online space. And I started querying various agencies, literary agents and publishing houses, never got an email back, never got anything back. And so I saved up my pennies and went to a publishing conference. And at that publishing conference, you get about 15 minutes in front of a publisher and or agent and you get two spots. So it's a publishing conferences for those who've gone or those who are interested. It's an extremely expensive endeavor. Um, but I, I, I had to try, I had to try and 95% of people who want to be published might most likely will never be published. But I was, um, I was very aware of my odds, but I had to try anyway. And, uh, so I, it's kind of like American Idol. You stand in front of an agent publisher, you pitch your idea, you got 15 minutes and they say, Oh, so here's some feedback and send you on your way. And that's that. It's kind of nothing beyond that. So my, um, my, uh, this was about a year and a half after I started blogging, by the way. Um, so I went in, you know, ready to pitch my stuff and immediately um, felt chemistry with the senior acquisitions editor of Abingdon Press sitting before me. And she's like, okay, what you got? And I gave my pitch. And at the end of it, she looked me in the eye and she said, your time has come. And I just bit my lip, and sh and then she said, "How have I? How 
have you not already been a published author? How did I find you first? And it was just truly a, you know, to have somebody else confirm what you already know about your gifts and skills. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm speaking this with confidence because each and every one of us are so, so, so gifted. What we need, we already have. And when that is unleashed and we have the tools to make that come to pass, it's a beautiful thing. And so uh, um, five days later after that meeting, I got an email that said we would love to uh, negotiate and have a continued conversation about a book contract with you, but we would also love for you to consider a video Bible study. And I was like, video Bible study, doesn't that just, oh, isn't that just like Beth Moore or somebody, you know, I'm like, that's a job that you can do and apply for, who knew, you know? And um, just five days later after that, um, in a video conference call, I sat with the assistant publisher, the head of Bible study resources, and the senior acquisitions editor. And together, we mapped out a plan. And by the end of the year, I was signing a contract for both a book and Bible study, which releases, um, yeah, this week. It released yesterday. So, so exciting to see hard work come to pass. Um, And I'll tell you how I got there. It was not giving up each and every day, putting pen to paper, fingers to the type, you know, to the keyboard and really believing that it mattered. And even if it never got published or even if things never, or, you know, if only seven people read that blog, knowing that it made me come alive and, um, knowing that it mattered and it, it could be something greater. And, uh, I would say slowly, but sure, you know, blogging can be a very isolating endeavor, um, and writing, and I am very much a team player. I love to work in team. And so getting to really work with a publisher and marketing team and publicists and all that stuff has been a lot of fun. Um, getting to work alongside people who are just experts at their craft. Um, it makes me better. I, I hope that I can be an encouragement to them. Um, so I would say if you're an entrepreneur, a dreamer, you want to see, see things come to pass, I would say be a learner, be teachable. I think the people who win at the end of the day are the ones who are willing to learn, 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 learn. Burning the midnight oil learning. I would spend my my creative hours, my making hours, my golden hours um, writing, and then I would spend the evenings researching and learning more about um, everything from email marketing to um, catchy titles for blog posts to best practices of how to write a chapter. I would do whatever it took. Um, I probably listened to a hundred hours on book marketing on various podcasts. Um, another couple hundred hours on book writing, um, from both fiction and nonfiction authors. So I think really sitting at the feet of great people, whether they're in your life and you can sit down with them over a cup of coffee or they can mentor you from afar through podcasts or through their books or through their seminars, it will always be worth it. It will always be worth it to sharpen yourself. What do you say to the person? And I, man, love everything you just said. Um, and a big, a big theme obviously was investing in yourself. And Mm -hmm. I, I, I get it. Um, I, I have to this day almost invested everything above and beyond of what I need to, you know, pay myself, uh, uh, modest income each month. I've invested everything else above and beyond back into my business. And my accountant was even walking through that with me, um, on Saturday and said, you know, this was an investment year. It was important. And for the people who are listening and saying, I can't invest in myself. I have no money. Um, how, 
how do you kind of combat that? Because we both know what it's like to be the breadwinner and yep. have the pressure on us and yeah. still invest in ourselves. I mean, we are no stranger to it being hard potentially. Um, I don't, I, I know for a season you were the breadwinner. Maybe your husband was developing his, his career. My husband's in school. And so he's not even in his full-time career quite yet. And so how do you speak to that? Because I think that's a hang up people have, and it's a mindset shift. Absolutely. Okay. First, I just want to say this. When I first started blogging, we went from making almost a hundred thousand dollars to year to that first year, my husband um, transitioned from teaching to real estate. He made $6,000 his first year. So I just want to say I've been there. I have been there um, in a time when we had not next to nothing, but actually nothing. And two little kids at home was when I hustled to make the dream come true. And we're on the other side of that now. And my husband, that was you know two and a half years ago, and he's built a very successful real estate business. Um, but it takes time to get things off the ground for any of us. Um, I would say where there's a will, there is a way. Um, I had no money to invest in any sort of personal investment at the beginning. And so it was a matter of finding free resources, podcasts, freezy, um, so many eBooks. I would download eBooks from the library onto my Kindle. Um, you can usually have them for about 21 days and they disappear kind of thing. Um, I, I would probably, and I'm, a, I'm a reader by nature. I've always been a reader, but I probably would, I probably read 40 books that year, that first year of, of learning how to just really master a chapter and blogging and, and how to see your blog succeed. So, um, there are ample free resources out there. I mean, Stanford has a podcast of their lectures, people. There are free resources of where you want to go. And then when you do have the money to maybe pay for some more advanced teaching, do it. I, I took a course on Pinterest and it was a game changer for me. My blog traffic quadrupled. Um, I have over 25,000 followers on Pinterest now because of being willing to invest in that. It's the greatest um, number one source of traffic to my blog. So I think it's just really finding out what what do you want to spend the money on? How can you save up for it? I remember, I think I sold some clothes to be able to afford that, afford that e-course. And it was a game changer. I mean, truly a game changer. And I've been able to market so much of what I do because of that. Um, so I would say, look for the free resources. They are there. I really believe if you want this, there's no excuses. There's no excuses. There's just too many opportunities out. It, we live in such a digital age. Um, researching, 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 researching articles of who's done this before. And um, honestly, so many authors and people who have mastered an area that you want to learn, um, they often will offer some sort of free resource, you know, even if you can't afford their paid resource. So um, for those of you who are choosing online ones, but books and podcasts, and um, I feel like there's a podcast for every area of business and or entrepreneurship that that folks want to pursue. So I think really being a learner and um, accessing all the free resources that you can until you can um, really find and be able to afford some paid ones. I think also alongside learning your craft, it's understanding how to be a leader of yourself and other people. Um, I have a ministry background. Uh, I'm in full-time ministry for about a decade. Um, and so I think coming from a world of constantly reading leadership books and how to lead people and serve people best, um, coupled with my desire to be a master at blogging or writing, I think those combined 
um, was really where the magic happened for me is because it's one thing to want to be a blogger, but if people don't want to follow you, you're just going on a walk. That's not a leader. Um, and, uh, whether it's in the online space or in, you know, in real life, I think learning how to love people and serve people and, and, and see their gift skills and abilities, delegate well and see them rise up to be all that they can be and work together toward a collective goal. I think that that's worth its weight in gold. And so kind of transitioning. Yes, girl. Yeah. Kind of transitioning to seeing how that I, I really applied that in the blogging space and really, um, was able to pursue book and Bible study and all that great stuff. I think if I wouldn't have known how to lead myself and lead other women, I don't think I'd have those opportunities to be really honest with you. Because when you lead yourself and you're leading other women, you're really in tune with their needs and their hurts and their aches and their pain. And whoever your constituents, clients, patients, whatever they may be, being in tune with their needs. Because um, if you're driven by just wanting to be successful, that's you're going to fail on day two. But if you really want to serve people, I can guarantee you've got you've got a step ahead. <laughs> I think you're going to be in a better headspace. Um, now transitioning that to how I built SIP, I have had, um, I've had experience leading teams in the past. Um, and so when I built SIP, this was the first time that somebody wasn't my superior. I wasn't answering to somebody else for the projects that I was doing in the ministries or teams I was running. So it was very exciting to be like, oh, the buck stops with me. Like it's my vision. Not I'm not kind of just I think so many of us who've been in roles, you know, middle management where we're, our job is to execute other people's visions. That's beautiful. And that happens for a season. But when you get that opportunity to be the visionary and to cast vision and invite others to, to put a stake in the ground and say, we can do this together. It is so sweet. It's so sweet. And it doesn't happen overnight. But when you do get there, um, my main goal is to steward my, you know, our top team well and to, to, if their families are thriving, if their faith is thriving, if they're thriving in their finances, if they're thriving in their relationships, um, then they're going to thrive at SIP and they're going to be able to bring their A game. So serving that, serving their heart and serving their soul and doing whatever it takes to know that I'm available and willing to be there with them, then they're going to be at their best. And to be quite honest with you, none of us are experts at everything. We aren't master of all trade. That's not useful. If you want to be an expert, pick one thing, you know, pick one or two things. Um, and so seeing them, our social media, Gallon Photography and some of the marketing, she's doing things I could never do. Our creative director is, is one of the most skilled and gifted women I've ever met. Um, our planning director is getting things organized that I don't have the time, resources, or mental capacity to do. And so seeing people operate at their best and then I can operate at my best um, with a mutual love for each other, it's a beautiful thing. Somebody once said to me, if you aren't willing to go on vacation with the people you are doing business or in ministry or whoever with, people on your team, then it's not worth it. And um, if I want to change the world, I want to do it with people I enjoy. And I want to have a blast while I'm doing it. So I have the honor of getting to do that. And I love my team. And we are working together and we're seeing women's lives change and we wouldn't have it any other way. I love that. One kind of question to tie it all together um, how do you see if fear, shame, inequality, loneliness, rejection is not dealt with? Do you think it's possible for people to build a business or a dream or a creative career they love? And um, what is the importance of that? And I am just so excited for your book to come out um, or it's out, you know, um, this week, but I'm so excited for women to have the opportunity to dive in so they can overcome 
these areas in their life so that they can walk in their fullness. Yeah, I think fear, um, insecurity, inequality, rejection, shame, we can grow, but those are stumbling blocks. And to to see all that we want to see, the dreams for our business, the dreams for our ministry, the dreams for our nonprofit, the dreams for our family, the dreams for our finances, the dreams for our community and our friendships, those will not happen. Those will not be all that they can be. We will live truly in such a, just a percent or a, just a tiny bit of all that it could be unless we address those fears. We will truly, um, we'll hit a ceiling. Our fears will keep us from making the decisions we need to make. Our insecurities will keep us from um, having the conversations we need to have with people that we're working with. And our our inequalities will constantly make us feel like we're not worth it. We don't deserve it. We're less than. And so when we identify those, when we pull out those lies and when we uproot those fears, um, and honestly, so many of our fears are things that are never going to happen. But um, when we really face those head on with bravery, courage, and vulnerability, we are going to see our business, family, relationships, finances, and community thrive. Because guess what? When we deal internally with our stuff, not only are we blessed, everyone else around us is blessed. Uh, Can we just talk forever or you just come back and be my co-host every week? Because I'm loving what you're having to say. Um, Where can our listeners find you? Um, And how can they dive deeper? They can grab a copy of Never Alone, which we'll absolutely link up in the show notes. But also if they wanted to do a Bible study, kind of diving in even further, kind of tell us. Every all the resources that we can put at their fingertips. Absolutely. Well, I, 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 uh, my heart and soul is in that book, as you can imagine. Um, and I would say, get alone with that, whether in your bath or whether you're reading it in between pickup at your kid's school or whether you um, just have a minute with a cup of coffee for yourself. Um, consider it self care for the year 2018 um, to really treat yourself. But the Bible study, I it's I I really believe it will be a gift to any woman who does it. It it really identifies so many of the topics in the book and issues that we all deal with: shame, insecurity, loneliness, rejection, um, all of those. And it gives them really a strong biblical perspective of how Jesus encountered women in the New Testament because. If we want to understand who God is and so many of us define God in our in our worst moments, not what we learned in Sunday school or not what we heard from somebody else or not what we heard on the radio, but it's really how we define him in our in our hard moments. And so to be able to see the face and heart of God through Jesus and how he encountered women and really it defines a woman's role obviously in, in biblical times, but it really has a lot to say about how we live our lives today. So being able to share that with your girlfriends, you can stream that, you can order the DVDs with that. Um, uh, there's six teachings that come with that along with a hefty study guide um, that can really accompany the book. They are individual standalone items, but um, together I think they're, uh, they're quite, the, quite the treat. So that's That's how you can dive more into that. Obviously, my blog, TiffanyBloom.com. I hang out mostly on Instagram, at TiffanyBloom, and on Twitter, at TiffanyBloom, and of course, on the good old-fashioned Facebook. Woo! Uh, Thank you so much for coming. I am just honored to get to... Um, support you as you launch this book. I absolutely loved the first few chapters that I've read and I can't wait to get my copy (laughs) um, and read 
all of it, I am, I'm in a reading season, so I'll probably devour this in like a week. Um, But I'm so excited to read my copy of Never Alone. And I am probably going to talk to you about leading a Bible study with it because I just think this is such a central theme to women. And I am thankful that you're willing to share your story in order to usher more women into freedom. Mm, Yes. And amen. Thank you, Kelsey. Thanks for coming. (laughs) Such a pleasure. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other.